Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Brandon Saffram. And I'm your host, Sparky Dillman. This is episode 112, uh, 22. Um, so before we start, uh, we have a event next week, the Houston Hardware Happy Hour, first Thursday of each month, June 7th at Slowpokes. Come bring your hacks um, and hardware and come hang out, drink beer, drink coffee, eat some food. And I think Brandon has a happy hour as well there is there's an austin hardware happy hour that happens the third thursday of the month so you can actually attend both houston and austin they're yep. fine there's no conflicting and that usually i think that next one will be on the 21st and that's at velvet taco in the, in the domain velvet taco velvet taco it's fantastic <laughs> good place uh so yeah this week we have brandon satrum satrum okay got it. Yep. Uh, from particle brandon is a developer evangelist from particle uh, and a found and the founder of Carrot Pants Press. He loves to talk about JavaScript, open source stuff, open uh, microcontrollers, robotics, and whatever shiny tool or technology that's currently distracting him. So, is there anything else, Brandon? That's a pretty good summary. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I, I have I've been at Particle for three or four months now. But my uh, my background, as I like to to tell people, I am a uh, recovering software developer and recovering. aspiring maker <laughs> uh, and hardware and firmware developer as well. So I spent most of my career in the software side of the world and in the last four or five years have gotten more into hardware and making and things like that, which has been more of a, a passion for me. And recently I had the opportunity to make that part of my full-time job working for Particle and, and helping them. Cool. Um, so what is the current shiny tool or tech? The current shiny tool for me... Um, Boy, that's a that's a great question because I feel like I, um, the current new shiny tool for me is that I I just got a um, I don't know about that. You think I would have been prepared <laughs> to answer this question? Now I feel like I'm put on the spot. Well, I can I, I spot. can tell you mine. Okay, yes, tell me yours. So I, I, I can't remember the part number, but okay. I have a a four to twenty milliamp pressure transducer. Wow. Um, industrial pressure transducer, and I'm going to use it to um, hopefully with this podcast learn enough about iot stuff yeah, yeah, yeah and i want to iotify the air compressor here at macrofab i like that. I, I i think i've said that on the podcast like a year ago yeah, and i just yeah. never got around to it because awesome. I, I basically hit a couple of roadblocks and right. was like oh well you know whatever but so i have a i dug out the pressure transducer and started actually like getting measurements and stuff out of it that's awesome so that's very cool all right, so I'll give you one. This is this is going to sound like I'm doing party line stuff because of Particle, but I, I swear this is the shiny thing for me. I am very excited about getting the some of the new mesh hardware that we've got coming in the fall, specifically the Xenon, which is going to be our sort of mesh-only little board because it is going to be... I have so many projects at home that are waiting for something that I am, I am big on doing home, home automation stuff that doesn't put everything on Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, with the Xenon, we'll actually be able to get stuff online that talks to a local network but not be on the open Internet. And I'm, I've got you know home garden projects and all kinds of different things that I am very excited to get that, get that happening. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lanoti, exactly. I like that. <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars character. I don't know. Almost. Lanoti. Well, yeah, kind of like a uh, robot from. Yes. Um, Le- <laughs> did you see Solo? I, like I yeah. have not yet. Okay, it is. Uh, I, I saw it opening night. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm a person who did not like the Last Jedi. Okay. Um. Solo was really good. Really, it was way better than it should have been. Okay. See, I was. I really want to. My wife and I actually did go and see a movie this last weekend because we had a kid-free weekend for Memorial you, Day. Then you saw Deadpool. So, see, I was on the fence. I, I kind of go chronologically with these things, and I hadn't yet seen Infinity War. Ah, uh, okay. So I was okay. like, well, I guess we got to go see that first. Makes and sense. And I liked it. I liked Infinity War a lot. Excited for the next one. But I, the whole time, I'm sitting there in the Alamo Draft House, thinking like, should we have seen Deadpool instead, or should we have seen Solo instead? <laughs> and we talked about maybe just turning right around and coming back in and seeing Deadpool or Solo because I want to see those. I heard. Yeah. I heard they're both really good. Yeah, I, I need to go see uh, the new Deadpool movie. Yeah, I heard it's. Yeah, loved the first one. All right. Um. <laughs> we got side That's great. No, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, what's Carrot Pants Press? So, Carrot Pants Press is sort of a that is a side passion for me. But as I was in between um, jobs and startups and projects over the last couple of years, I um, part of the reason why I got into making and electronics to begin with was to sort of scratch my own itch, but also to introduce my kids 
to this world. I have I have three boys. They're nine, seven, and four. And the older two, when I first started getting into you know Arduino-based stuff, the older one was with me along mm-hmm. through a lot of those projects. He loved all the blinky LED stuff. That was huge for him. And how old was he? Uh, at the time, he was six. Oh, that's when we pretty first impressive. Yeah. Doing that. yeah. yeah. And he, now I was, you know, I was doing a lot of like actually putting components in breadboards, but he was right there alongside me helping out. And, and as I was going through a lot of that, I, I wanted to create something that was going to be accessible for those, for those three, even my younger two sons to get them to introduce them to electronic concepts and components, the things that I was learning, um, but to do it in a way that was engaging for kids. Mm -hmm. And so Last year, we I did a Kickstarter campaign for a children's book, for an illustrated children's book about electronics. It's called Ed Gets His Power Back. And the whole point of the book was to tell a story about this green LED that needs to find a way to blink his or to light up his light before the sun goes down and he has to illuminate his neighborhood. And so along the way, he gets, you know, he... The kids will understand sort of what a LED is, and you learn about resistors and capacitors and batteries. And the whole point is really to get kids excited about this world and willing to learn more. But they're they're meeting great characters and they're hearing mm-hmm. a cool story to go along with it. So we did that campaign last year. That was our first Kickstarter. Uh, it was successful. We delivered the books in January, and we decided we wanted to keep going. So P- Carrot, Prince, Carrot Pants Press, excuse me, uh, was really the, the business that we formed around creating these books and these resources. And we're in the midst of actually working on the getting ready for the second campaign now, which is going to launch next month for the second book. Any tidbits for that one? Any tidbits? Yes. Yeah, so that one. I am really excited about because that one is actually going to feature a new main character, Ellie, a blue LED, uh, but will also feature a 555 timer chip uh, to help create the circuit for that yeah. one as well. So, yeah. Does it have a name? Chip the IC. Oh, Chip the I IC. I feel like maybe I took the lazy way out on naming, but I kind of <laughs> like it. It works. It kind of works. And we have the, I have the character designs for him. He's actually, he's he and Ellie are both on my laptop, which folks oh, yeah. not not uh, not here right now can't see but uh that's that's really uh, that's really exciting because part of what we're doing in this is we're also we're introducing new components but we're actually going to take it into the realm of reality and introduce the concept of printed circuit boards to kids so instead of building on a breadboard like we did in the first book you're actually going to be building a circuit on a on a pcb that's cool fun Yeah. yeah yeah cool and so what do you do at particle then so at Particle, uh, I am Particle's developer evangelist. So my job is to, I get to keep building cool stuff and uh, building stuff with our hardware, building stuff with, with other people's stuff, and just talk to developers about um, what they can do with Particle, with our, our tools, with our hardware and our software. Uh, and also just to hear what people out there are doing and to help get developer feedback back into the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have done evangelism roles before. I was an evangelist at Microsoft a uh, long, long time ago. And uh, one Is of the, it really hard to get people excited about Microsoft it was, products? At the time, it was very hard to get people <laughs> excited. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let me just say that I was there when when what we were talking about a lot was, was IE9. So let's just, mm-hmm. you know, that was... It was an interesting time, but I, I learned a few tricks. So one of the things that I learned that was really important for evangelism is that it's a great way to it's a great way to build relationships with developers and get their honest feedback and get that back into the company. Um, to me, that's almost that is either as important or more important than going and speaking to the community about your products was really giving them a voice and making sure that the internal teams really understand what challenges developers are having and how we can make the product and how better. your how your customers are actually using your how products. they're actually using it absolutely yep. yeah yeah so that's what i do and that's a lot of fun i've been doing that for about about three three plus months now that's cool so still new yeah yeah, yeah. so how, how did you get started in that then did you apply or did you just like did they come to you? I, I did. I did apply. Actually, it was a bit of both. Um, we, I had the the person who hired me. Uh, we we have some mutual friends um, mm-hmm. in my time as an evangelist at Microsoft, and then I actually did some product management work for a software company after that. And I, I had 
you know, a bit of a, a network and close friends over the years that as we moved into different places, uh, we would keep in touch and hear of other opportunities that came up. And uh, so this is one of those cases where actually one of the a good friend who actually also was a, a backer of our Kickstarter campaign, he and I were talking at the, the launch we did for the book, and he had mentioned this role, this evangelism role at, at Particle. And I had, it turns out I had just applied like two or three days before. <laughs> I had seen it. I've been a Particle customer for three and a half years. I mean, I mm-hmm. in, the, in the Spark Core days, I, I remember getting, I still have that board. It still works. It's still actually powering something in my office. And, uh, and so when I saw that there was an opening and I was sort of on the hunt for the next thing, I'm like, oh, I'm totally applying for this. And he had mentioned that he had heard about the job and knew the hiring manager and made a mutual intro and Bam, here we are. Yeah, go. here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite thing you've built at Particle then? Because oh, since that's part of your job is yeah, to build yeah. things. So my, my favorite thing uh, was actually a, a, a badge. Believe it or not, it was a badge okay. life. Such a huge thing now, right? <laughs> Everybody's on the badge life bandwagon, myself included. Uh, we actually, uh, myself and a few others, very, very capable folks we have internally helped me. Uh, we created a badge for our booth at Maker Faire. Uh, so we were the, out the Bay Maker Area Maker Faire. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it called Maker Bay Faire. Area or is it San Mateo? They still? call it Bay Area Maker okay. Faire. Yeah, yeah. When I went, it was the San Mateo. Well, I guess like it depended on who you asked. Oh, did it really? there. Yeah, yeah. Some people call it the San Mateo Maker Faire, or or it was the Bay Area. Bay Area Maker Faire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just Z. Like some people call it well, the Maker Faire. It was Faire, originally right? yeah, the, I know, that was the largest one. one. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. I mean, I have been, I've been to the one in Austin several times. It started as a mini maker fair. It got mm-hmm. a little bit bigger and became sort of a proper maker fair. This, the one in San Mateo is ridiculous. Well, the one with the San, in San Mateo one is they get all the Burning Man people too, mm-hmm. and so you get all those crazy sculptures and stuff that's on fire and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite part. I absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We actually, I a total sidebar, but one of my favorite things I saw is a few of us actually walked around a bit. And we saw a couple of the, the guys that are, are working on uh, mech racing. Like, they're trying to build a mech racing league. Okay. <laughs> and so it was like the first public display of one of these mechs that they've been working on for 12 or 13 years. Mm-hmm. And very Pacific Rim style, like, the, the the captain has all four of his limbs hooked up to four different... It's four legs on this robot. Yeah. And he's got he's got all four of his limbs hooked up to these four legs. And it was their sort of first display in public. And it was awesome. It was the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a Maker Faire, uh, but huge. This is just this huge, huge machine. Yeah, yeah. And that's I love that. That was the stuff that I love too. Yeah. The one of the times I went, they had a um, a group brought a ginormous um, train, but it was a old steam powered one. Oh, that's awesome. And they had it running a like a whole bunch of tools, mm-hmm. and it was like the cra- like just how much water that thing uses was just oh gosh yeah. it's just crazy yeah um and then one time i went there was a ginormous like wheel dragon that was like the size of this room oh yeah and it was blowing fire out of its mouth and stuff and yeah it's just like how do you get insurance for that I, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you just sign, i don't even does, know does make it for just I, make you sign a general waiver I, they must something <laughs> i don't know i know i my my aspirations are much on much smaller scale right so yeah, I, yeah. I feel good about just creating a badge and there's giant robots out there but this was that was a big thing i my intention originally with creating the badge was that we're doing a bunch of conferences th- through the rest of the year and workshops about particle and we're i mentioned already but we have new hardware coming in the fall including a that low-powered xenon device and so my original intention was to build to use that as the foundation for a badge and um and i got you know a few helpful colleagues suggested hey you know maker fairs is coming up Let's let's go ahead and try to shoot do the badge for that, and we're about a month away, and I'm kind of like, oh, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll give it a try. And then I basically spent every waking moment for the next month building get, it, building that badge, yeah, and getting yeah. it together, which was a lot of fun. It was actually the first time that I had worked with our cellular board, the Electron, which has way more pins, which is cool. Uh, so I was I stuffed a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I've got whole, there's even some things I put on that board we didn't even implement. It's in the, the kitchen sink of badges. It's the kitchen sink of badges. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Running 2,500 milliamp lipo batteries on the back, which <laughs> maybe that's not what you want to do for a mass-produced badge. But that was fun. We it, it was actually a lot of fun to do that. It gave us a great opportunity to to tell folks sort of about about the hardware and, and things like that and. I got to work, this is sort of my first time also working with some of our internal firmware engineers, and we've got some, Particle has some pretty amazing firmware engineering talent and a few folks on the hardware side that helped me, 
helped me actually check the board for it went to fab and things like that you had one shot i had one shot exactly <laughs> and as a as a as a self-taught maker I, I i had i have this history of i never get the board right the first time mm-hmm. like i'll get it and i'm sure everybody does that but i'll get excited i'll order the boards from mosh park and they'll come in and i'll realize within five minutes what i did wrong i've done that and before. Then i'm spinning them again yep. and all that and this one i had two or three other eyes that actually helped me you know make sure we didn't you know we didn't miss a few things but we still ended up on the final badge had two bodge wires two bodge wires two bodge wires so how many how many badges did you build then? We ended up building 11. So you only had to do 22 wires. Only had to do 22 wires. That's not That's bad. Right. No, That's it's not, not too bad at all. Yeah, and we hand soldered them all, including some including some QFNs, which was uh, which was fun. Oh, that's Again. always fun. Yeah. 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 Yeah, at my um the pre- the company I worked at before Macrofab, um I hand built all the prototypes. Oh god. It's probably one of the reasons why when uh, started Macrofab. I'm like, I want to never build a prototype I, ever again. I, I can totally, <laughs> totally identify. Doing QFNs and 042s by hand oh. it gets old. See, thankfully, the smallest we had 0603s on there. Other than the QFNs, the QFN was a was a Silicon Labs 7021 okay. temperature and humidity sensor, yep. which wasn't awful. That was the smallest thing that was on there. But I had, thankfully, I had help because I I built the first one in Austin before I flew out to San Francisco for mm-hmm. meetings for that week. So I had the week before Maker Fair to get help from the team, but I did the first one just to see if I, so I could keep working on the firmware. Yep. And it took me probably about four hours to hand assemble that first badge, and my back was killing me by the time I <laughs> all, was done. All hunched over? Hunched over. And then I get to the particle office, and there's a microscope on the bench in the office, and I'm like, I have not been living life. This oh, yeah. Is, uh, that yeah well, that's the thing is, I, I, I built all the, those prototypes and stuff by hand without a scope. Without a scope? Oh, my God. So I was doing 042 and stuff without that. Oh, my God. And then when I started using the scope, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is pretty easy. And then I try to go back without one. Can't do you it. Can't do it. No, like I can't. Like I'm like, how did I even focus on that 042 part? I see. By the end of that week, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this at home ever again because I feel like <laughs> I've been spoiled on the scope all week long. Gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that is that's the that's the most fun I've had building anything with particle. I've done I've done a few other things over the years. I actually built a um, still in project in, in progress, but I have been working on a, uh, a little home brewing setup. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, it basically just uses. This seems to be a common theme with our I, guests on the podcast. I, 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 well, and I've noticed that <laughs> listening to y'all, yeah, over a while. It's, hey, you know what? It's why not? It's a great way to leverage technology. Oh yeah. So I actually have a, a photon powered board that just does temperature monitoring. The one thing I wanted to add to it was actually some knock sensors to give me basically to alert me when fermentation starts mm-hmm. uh, and some of those things. That's sort of some in in, prog- in progress. Because so. Stephen has these. Um uh, I, mean, I can't remember. Ice spindles that have a photon board in it. Oh, really? And you, oh, cool. And you, I think it's a photon. Yeah. And you um, put it in in your wart, and so uh-huh. it will measure the density of the sugar. Oh, and that's awesome. Tilt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Check out that episode. Of the I podcast. do need. Yeah. I look back on that. Um, I can't remember awesome. what episode it is, but I think if you Google sure ice spindle uh-huh. macrofab, it'll pop it's up. Fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I guess today we're going to be trying to get a. Uh, IoT Blinky yes. equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Blinky is like the what, the first thing you do with a new microcontroller. That's right. And um, so yeah, we're gonna, uh, I guess, open up a photon and try to get something working. That's, that's right. That's right. So yeah, Brandon brought a photon box. This is yeah. So the this is the photon development kit. I like how you gesture towards it. I know. Where like no one can see. I know. That. I know. I know. I'm so. Yes. <laughs> I know I need to become more of a seasoned podcaster in the next five minutes, right? Yeah. But this is this the box is we have a few different variants of the. It's photon. a nice box. Well, thank you. yes, it is. I, I agree. I like. It. I have, I take no credit for it. It works. It's nice. Um, so yeah, it's a box about four inches by four inches by an inch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll go ahead and open it. Go ahead and open it up. Yeah. So inside it's got the photon, and then a uh, says particle.io slash start. So is that where I go? That's where you go, yeah. So when you open up the box, you'll see yeah, particle.io slash start. There are, inside the box, there's a piece of foam and the photon sitting in the center. And then at the top, there's a little enclosure in here. Enclosure, I don't know if you call that little cardboard insert that has the USB cable. I was just ripping a few out. other parts. Yeah, I ripped the whole thing out. So we got and a sticker. of course a sticker. Yeah, everyone needs a sticker. Can't, yeah, can't ship without stickers. So we've got uh, a couple resistors, a T1 LED. I think that's 5mm LED. I think that's a T1. Yeah. 
Um, and then Photon in already breadboard. Sitting in a breadboard with some instructions. With instructions actually. and yeah. the cardboard overlay. So before I like mess that up, I'm gonna take a nice <laughs> little picture of that. And this is this is actually really cool. I mean, one of the things as someone who is a you know relatively recent to the maker world myself, one of the things that I think I love about Particle is that we we find a lot of folks that end up getting into this space from software. It's coming mm-hmm. more and more free, more common that people are coming into the IoT space, the maker space, the embedded space. And their experience is on the software side. And it can be really intimidating to jump that gap. And now you're working on hardware. Yeah. Because this is the... Uh, I come from the opposite direction. Right. Where I've done hardware all my life. And so, like... I, I'll put it in this perspective that a year and a half ago was the first time I did an API call. Oh, really? In Python. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and when I got information back from the server, it just blew my mind. Right, exactly. I'm like, whole, like when I when I made a microcontroller blinking LED, I'm like, okay, woohoo. Like, yeah, Because yeah. I was already doing hardware, and like I made LEDs blink doing other things. So I'm like, okay, I wrote some C code and made that work. But like when I requested data from some unknown entity in yeah. the cloud and i got stuff back i'm like holy crap that's amazing um see i absolutely love so, it because yeah, yeah for me like the first like we what we have come to refer to it right as the, the it's the hello world of of, of iot or hardware projects is blinking yeah. blinking the led or you know chris gamble has in his contextual electronics course the getting to blinky that's like sort of mm-hmm. you feel like the bar and i had that same same feeling, but the yeah. API calls like, oh, ho hum, I've done API calls. Yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> but it's when you got the hardware. And when you got the yeah. hardware working, and what was funny is after I went through all this Arduino-based stuff, I sort of had this moment because again, like approaching this, approaching the hardware world through a microcontroller, does lessen the learning curve from someone for someone from the software side. Mm-hmm. And then you get past that point, and you're like, wait a minute, you mean you can blink an LED without a microcontroller? <laughs> oh, I want to try to do that. And then that's sort yeah. of the additional mind-blowing sort of sort of stage of things which is cool yeah so i went to that particle.io uh start and so it's got um it says which device are you interested in so i'm gonna say i'm gonna select the photon which is what we have yeah so from here let me turn the screen so you can you can read it yeah so from here what this this dumps you into sort of our our comprehensive guides for the device itself, but is there where you're going to want to go next is, is there like a zero zero I can punch to like get started? Like, like when you dial in and you like hit zero zero <laughs> to get the operator right away. Operator. It's that set up my photon button. Okay, that's where cool. you're going to go. Yeah, you can just jump there and go. Okay, power right. on. Power so, on the device. Let's get this uh, USB cable. So I'm going to try to make this entertaining for people who can't can't see us doing this <laughs> so we'll describe the blink rates of the led yes. the onboard led that comes on that's about half a that's about uh, two hertz <laughs> <laughs> so you plug it in that blue led starts blinking so every every particle device actually has an onboard rgb led that's actually a, a cree i can't remember the exact part number but it's a cree led oh that's that's tiny too yeah and it's really really small and that led is actually one of the primary ways that the particle our device os firmware sort of tells you what's happening yeah so in this case, what's happening right now is the blink rate. It's like R2-D2's beeps. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so right now, the, the device is in listening mode, which means it's ready. It's, it is, it's got soft AP turned on so that you mm-hmm. can jump onto the device and get it on Wi-Fi. Okay. So let's do that. So then the next step is going to be going to yep, you'll click go Setup. To setup. Particle.io. So it's got a link yeah. there. So click that guy. Ah, so ah, you, so you want my information the, now. Yes, now is the, the create an account part. Okay, so let's see. Let's go ahead and make an account. Oh, that's and, crazy. How did it know my last name? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It's almost like maybe you've done this before. <laughs> Actually, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess let's make it with a new account then. Okay. Yeah, so while Parker's doing this, Part of the reason why we like for you to create an account when setting up these devices is that there's more to the particle ecosystem than just the hardware itself. There's a lot that we provide on board in the devices that's meant to make it really easy for you to get these devices connected and to use our device cloud to actually publish information from the device mm-hmm. to onto the internet and interact with it. 
So from here, you can actually click on set up a photon. Okay. It's in beta, though. In beta. It's like Gmail. It's always in beta, right? <laughs> right exactly. So originally, when you set up a photon or our original Spark devices, you used your mobile, use your mobile phone to do so. But we actually have support through the browser now as well. Right, so it's making sure that we have a, all our stuff. So we have a photon, USB cable, and it says Wi-Fi. Uh, we have Wi-Fi because yeah. my laptop yeah. is connected to the internet. There you go. And then network credentials. So we have got that. Okay. So download the photon setup file. So. So the way that we, yeah, we do the web-based setup through a local file because that's what we need to do, soft yep. AP access to the devices. So you'll just, you can save that, save it, open it up. So we're opening up the Photon Setup Dock. Okay. And so from here, you want to change your Wi-Fi access point to anything that looks like the Photon. It'll begin with... Photon. There we go. It says Photon-34EJ by going to guess it. That that's the one. That yeah. That suffix is going to change depending on whatever. Yeah, it is. which device you have. Yeah. Okay. So now it's connecting. Your computer's connecting to the device itself, and that the page noticed that. So it's actually asking you now to pick whatever your local Wi-Fi network is. Okay. And the password. And the password. And then at this point. The light has now changed to blinking green, to blinking blue, and now it is what we refer to as breathing cyan. Or, or I don't know how you pronounce that. Cyan is always what cyan. I say. Cyan, yeah. Breathing cyan. So what's happening now is this device is connected to Wi-Fi. It's connected to the particle device cloud, and it is checking. Oh, and now, so now what you'll need to do on your laptop is actually get back to your wife main yep. wi-fi it, oh it's it, on there okay all right, and it says name my device and now, now you can name your device okay we so. typically will we have an auto suggester so it said uh squeamish dentist squeamish dentist uh, we'll rename it yeah, um, rename, yeah mep one two two. Oh, there you go so it follow then you're gonna have you're gonna onboard one new device for every episode of the podcast from here on out, <laughs> here on right? out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now it's saying yeah you're good to go and so I guess we just click start building. Click start building, yeah. So from here, when you click start building, is it is going to take you... It took us back to the docks. Took you back to the docks. And so this is basically giving you... This is where you're sort of path can fork based on what you want to do. Yeah. There are two or three primary ways that folks will build firmware with particle devices. They either use the web-based IDE... Or you can use a desktop IDE slash our command line tools. Okay. That's typically what I do. I use the desktop IDE and a lot of stuff with the command line. Uh, but the web IDE is a really quick way to just get to Blinky on the device. Yep. And so I think we should use this hardware it came with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it actually has, looks like a frequency sensor? Frequency uh, voltage? No, there is a... Um, um, it's a uh, photoresistor. That's oh, in there as okay, well. yeah. okay, okay. So yeah, let's use this hardware in... I guess we copy the diagram that's on the on the um, on the uh, cardboard that's on the breadboard, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, if you want to take control of the laptop and get the whatever, I guess the web IDE I going. Will, yeah. So from here, we're gonna go to build.particle.io, which is the way of getting into the uh, the way of getting into the web IDE. So it looks like on this cardboard that you just kind of punch. Let's see if this works. You may need a pin. To, yeah. To, to it, 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 the, the leads did not want to go through yeah, that cardboard. Yeah, that's what I have usually done. Let's so see. once you're inside build.particle.io, there's actually a couple of example apps that are loaded up that you can get a new device connected to. Um, in addition to the onboard RGB LED, particle devices actually also include an onboard status LED at D7. So there's a the D7 pin. You're welcome to use, is a GPIO, but we also have a an LED wired up to that that you can use. There we go. Cool. So right now Parker is plugging in, plugged in the photoresistor, plugging in the LED. And I wonder if these resistors are the same. I think they look they the same. are. Yeah, I think they are. And I can't remember. Yeah, they're the same. So we'll go ahead and plug those guys in. So do do you have do you have resistor band colors memorized? Like no. You, okay. Okay. No, Steven I, does. Steven though. does. Okay. Steven is 
I don't know how he does it. Because I, I tried learning it once, and I was just like, no. I actually was thinking about an, a good exercise for me, at least in terms of, like, uh, computer vision. Because that was actually part, when I was oh, in school, yeah. uh-huh. I did uh, um, image processing. Oh, sweet. Okay. And so I was like, oh, I'll just build an app that yeah. d- does that Absolutely. for me. That would be awesome. Because, <laughs> yeah, I tried to learn, too. Adafruit actually has a mobile app where they, like, quiz you. Oh, the, okay. And I, I, I went, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm never going to know this. I just... <laughs> I can't I, memorize just, anything. Right, Like, yeah. the worst is, like, actors in movies. It's oh, like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, like, half the time I can't even remember the characters' yeah, ex- names. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's the character. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, so we have everything plugged in. Also, it's actually got um, blinking LED. Okay. So, yeah, so the example sketches, if you're if you're in build.particle.io, we give you a couple Hold of... Oh, I got to do the most important thing. We oh, got yeah. we got to put the sticker on the laptop. Oh, I love this. Yeah. See if I can get the sticker. There. So then I'm going to have to take a picture of that, of course. Oh, I got... You should take a video of it and then do the slow motion. Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. All right. All right, I got slow-mo. Ready? Yes. <laughs> I had to do... <laughs> that's awesome. Really drag it out. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so inside, there's a couple of example apps. Um, when you onboard a new particle device and you're inside build, typically the first sort of blink and LED, there's, a, there's example sketches that we can load up for mm-hmm. you. So in this case, we have... Blink and LED. So it's D zero and D seven. Yeah, D zero and D seven. So you already have one of those LEDs pre-populated. It's D seven. Right, and then your other, the other one you plugged in is D zero. D zero. Yep. yep. So from here, I'm going to say use this example. So inside the IDE, I'm basically sort of cloning that example into your account. Okay. And you'll in the lower right hand corner you'll notice a couple of things. One is the actual name of the currently selected device. So if you have multiple particle devices, this will show up here sort of in your left in your left hand menu. Yep. And here it says uh MEP one one two. Yeah. Oh one two two. One two two. Yeah. I made that mistake in the beginning of the podcast. There you go. And then there's a couple of different menu items within here, but since we can we can load this up unchanged, mm-hmm. inside the IDE, I can click the flash button on the upper left-hand side. And what it's doing at this point is it's actually compiling the firmware up in our device cloud. It is, and then and then signaling to flash the device oh, over yeah, the air. flash green, and now it's uh, magenta. And now it's magenta, which is in, uh, in safe mode, which means it's receiving the new firmware download. And all of these, even though you're connected to serial, by default, this device is actually flashing over the air. Okay. So you can, you can flash via serial. In fact, when you're using our cellular board, most people will flash via serial because it's cheaper than yeah. using, of using your, your cell data. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now it's, and it, and it can take a bit, especially for first time, because what it's also doing as well is it's making sure that the firmware is up to date. Mm-hmm. If this was, if, if we rev the firmware a few times since this was actually shipped from the factory, then you're going to get newer firmware. Yeah. I noticed that the, it says our device is 5.3 and 7.0 is, 7.0 is the current, current firmware. Yeah. Right. So it's going to take a while. And it's going. All right. So the status. And you can see it's actually giving you event tracking all right so flash status is success now it's going to reboot and i always love watching this rgb led it's a very mesmerizing thing you probably have a couple people at particle that just do that part absolutely oh yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> well what's really cool too is our our device os firmware oh all right and that's coming on now so we're actually there getting we go. a flash hey and i plugged the led in right yeah <laughs> That's always the fun test, right? Is it on? Is it burning? Do I hear a pop? It's fine. Yeah, there we go. It's blinking. So it's blinking, yeah. So, so we're getting the D7 onboard blinking as well as the, the LED plugged into, Z, into D0. I'm just taking a little video for So it. what was that? That was about, that was less than 10 minutes. Yeah, we got done. So let's get this uh, frequency thing going, or the uh, light sensor, photo sensor. Yeah, yeah, Is there definitely. a default All right, so let me go guy for that. back, yeah, into code. And I think with this one, I'm trying to remember. Where, let me take a look at the board real quick. Or we can just write some quick code to 
It looks like it's just doing an analog shit. read on A5. Yeah, yeah. Let me scroll down here. So the example, the, the built-in... How do you have your scroll on here? So in the example code, there's a few different things that you can do. There is the blink and LED, which we just did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have a few other built-in as well. One is that you can actually use a few of our primitives built in the device OS to toggle the LED based on a, a cloud-connected function. Okay. Uh, so that is one thing you can do. I'm looking for the one with the photoresistor. I think it's actually inside. There it is. The function variable. Yeah, there is. And the, yeah. the top says... Uh, Photo resistor. Yeah, so. yeah. Let me. Uh, can I? Can we increase the text a bit on the? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Browser there. Or not? Maybe. All right. Oh, there we go. All right. There, there you go. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right. So from here, yeah. So the photoresistor is at a zero, right? Yep. Photoresistor is at a zero, and so here, what we're doing is we're actually going to set a, a variable, particle variable, and particle function. So okay. those primitives, the device OS that we ship on all, on all of these, uh, all photons and electrons, provides a number of additional classes that you can use to do things like publishing variables and functions to actually doing publish and subscribe between devices. There's also cool things on there, like you can actually control the onboard LED, RGB LED yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I've done some stuff with that, which is kind of fun just to, just to play with it. But one of the things that folks tend to use the most is because, again, like you're building a Wi-Fi or cellular-enabled project. Typically, you want to leverage the power of the Internet for mm -hmm. that. And so particle variable and particle function give you the ability to inspect the values of what your device's sensors are reading through variables or even to control to control actually what the device is doing turning on LEDs, spinning motors and actuators, things like that, uh, using functions as well. So in the sketch that we have loaded up right now, there's a few things that you can do. One is that we have a particle variable for the analog value that we're reading from A0, so okay. we sort of know where the photoresistor is. And then the second is a function that you can use to toggle the LED on and off. So we're going to use this example and go ahead and flash it to the device. I predict that this flash will be faster because the firmware is now up to, up date, to date with version 7. So we're going back through. And then once we get this on here, we can actually go over to, and I'll go ahead and preload it. We can go to console.particle.io. And maybe... So particle build is the web IDE. The particle console is sort of the way that you can interact with your online devices. And okay. sort of Yeah, so you, we can see the um, MEP122 guy. Yeah, so you have a device list. You can do other things like you can create products if you have a series of devices that all have the same firmware and things like that. If you have cellular devices, you can manage the SIM cards and things like that. We have some integrations. Uh, but the big thing is actually managing individual devices. So you can check... You can click on an individual device, maybe, or, or copy the device ID. If I click on the right place in here. And then from here, from the console itself, and I think we're good, it's back to blinking again. The console itself gives you sort of the, the it gives you event logs, anything that gets published. You can publish events to the device if your event is subscribing uh, to receive devices and interact and you want to test it. But oh, so you can kind of like do a, you can, you can write your receiver part first and, and test that in the browser. And test it in the console, okay. yeah, before you actually build the sender part, whether it's a mobile app or another device or something along those lines. Yeah. That is very helpful. You can also you can also see where your anything that you do a particle variable or particle function shows up in the console as well. So what we're looking at now on the right oh, yeah, side. Oh, so yeah, you actually have um, functions and, and the variables that are in that code. Yeah, so we can actually see the analog value of the photoresistor yeah, right now. Yeah, let me put my finger on 566. It. We tap it again, now 168. Yep. So you can cool. actually see those values, and then we can actually call the functions as well. Let me see if there's an argument that has to be sent here. I might have to go and check the source code. Oh, no. Oh, He's got to yeah. read the man page. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to toggle on the LED. Oh, yeah, we have to say on or off. That's right. Okay. 
So oh, so you just give it a oh, you can just send the function so every, a variable. Yeah, so or every not part variable, of the function a, um, accepts a string as a variable. Okay, uh, and then you can use that to sort of parse some sort of behavior. Oh yeah, and so LED we passed an LED on. It turned it turned on. We just called it. We called it through the console. We can pass in LED off, and it turns it off. That's crazy. Yeah. So I guess cool. uh yeah. <laughs> I guess um so I I guess we're gonna take what I learned here. Yeah. And um when we come back we're gonna have a kind of like a IoT system. And we're back um with Brandon uh from Particle. We just created our first Kickstarter prototype for the <laughs> IoT breathalyzer. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Coming next month, right? Yeah, next month. It. Yeah, and yeah. we'll ship it the month after. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah right when will. it closes is when people will get it. First Kickstarter hardware project, not late. Right. Yeah, It'll not be, late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we use the um, Spec Sensor 3SP Ethanol 1000, which is a a um, solid state um, ethanol sensor that is very low power and mm-hmm. only pulls like 10 to 50 microwatts. It's different from the the element style sensors that you can get mm-hmm. from like SparkFun or Adafruit or whatever, which burn a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing about it is that they're individually calibrated and they have an NIST like uh, serial number. So you can actually like backtrack when it was calibrated. It's crazy, yeah. Um, and so it's got three analog outputs. So it has V gas, voltage gas, which is the uh, proportional to how much particles it's detecting. Get that? Particles, nice. Yeah, get oh, that. that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, it outputs a V reference voltage, which is usually the it's the like zero parts per million um, output. Um, basically, it's like around half the voltage, um, and it's fairly stable. So you use that as your reference voltage mm-hmm. when you're reading stuff in, mm-hmm. and then you get uh, a voltage that's proportional to temperature. And so that you can do a temperature coefficient offset um, for for the sensor. And so you take all that, mix it together in a big pot, <laughs> look at the data sheet, and you have this really long formula. Yeah. Calculate a couple of variables, and you can get a parts per million output from um, V gas, voltage gas. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, we'll post the code in our in the uh, podcast description. Um, so we did that, and then we used a new function that. It's called particle publish. Yeah. Yeah. And so we basically we took the parts per million and then we said if it's within a certain range, um, so, uh, we basically submitted a string to the server. Yeah. And it was between, you know, a different range, send the string and a different string. So basically the server is getting a bunch of strings saying what, uh, what parts per million it's getting. Right. Yeah. Um, so particle publish is it actually allows you to do there's the, the publish on the the sensor side and then subscribe on another device it gives you that sort of pub sub mechanism between devices so you can publish events public or private and then read them on the other end yeah so um, and then so I was setting up the sensor side um, Brandon was setting up the I guess receiver end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what you do? So on the on the receiver end, we basically hooked another photon. We went onboarded a, a, a second photon. We hooked it up to a relay and this uh, this awesome. Uh, it's like a Nabo light stack. Yeah, I, it's a light tower that you would see on like industrial equipment. Yeah. So it's got yeah. a green, a yellow, and a red light. Yeah. So we hooked it up there on three of the digital pins to represent green, yellow, and red. And then in the code on that side, I, I said I used a particle subscribe. So when you do a particle publish, you give your event a name. So in this case, Parker set it up as output color, and I set up a particle subscribe on the other end so that I could read that color. And then when you do that, you basically specify a handler function to to base to uh, marshal to right. So I set up a handler function, and then I'm reading that event. And if it's green, I'll turn on the green light. Turn off the others if it's yellow, yellow, and red, red, and we got it working. Yeah, and the um, so and how the relay tower works is this is a 24 volt model, um, so you give it 24 volts and then you pull the that light color down low, and so I just set up the relays to be like that, and, and the it. relay just clicked when I <laughs> kind of blew into the sensor. Um, oh, back to green. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, 
since the sensor gives out parts per million, we kind of don't really have what that would be in BAC. Right. So we kind of just guessed. It's like, okay, we've had two beers, so when you blow in it, it probably should be yellow. Makes and, sense, yeah. Yeah, and then we set the boundary to red to be... I basically took a, a napkin with some um, uh, rubbing alcohol and kind of waved it over the sensor and then set it to that number. Right. So, like, if your breath was like that... You probably should not do anything. Right, right. Probably might have to go to the hospital. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I wrote the code for the sensor on an Arduino uh, and yeah. was reading it in with, you know, and outputting it with serial print. So, basically, I just took the serial print um, commands and turned those into particle publish commands. Mm-hmm. And that seems, and then changed kind of the formatting in a minute because you have to send it a, a, um, what you want to call the the variable on the server and right. stuff like that. Right. So it's a slight formatting change there. Um, and also the interesting thing is the uh, we found that oh I found was the particle IDE. Um, it didn't like floats. Right. So when you do a particle, it, this we discovered this because we also actually use particle variable to publish some of the intermediate values for vgas. Correct. So that's why we can see the variables in the in the uh, browser. Right. And then the raw PBM because we wanted all those available in the console. And when you publish particle variables, you can use ints, strings, or doubles. Yep. And so we needed to do a bit of conversion there. Yeah. So I it right. Yeah. I actually just did like a control F float and change it to double and all the math still worked um so that's which is nice yeah, yeah. which was nice <laughs> so i didn't have to redo all the math and um yeah so that was nice and then another thing was uh the first time we put everything together the variables were not showing up in the browser and that ended up being from it was publishing too fast so right. it's probably i'm gonna guess that the particle os prioritizes publishes yeah yeah instead of Putting the variables up on the... Yeah, posting yeah, the variable posting values. Variables. Because I think, yeah, what we had is what we were effectively doing in the loop is we were averaging, to, in order to get the, a stable value for the variables, we are filtering 100 readings yep. and then pushing those up. But that was happening in the loop, and the loop was happening so often yep. it was, way it too was fast. just doing a publish. And yeah. yeah so now yeah. we have I have it set up to where it does a publish every second, yeah. and now we get our variables uh, uh, pushed up to the, the uh, uh, browser as well. So... That's actually, it wasn't that bad getting no. that to work. Um, so if you, it was pretty easy to get the uh, Arduino code to work to on pull it. over, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah would you say it was about an, about an hour and ten minutes? Yeah, start an hour to and ten minutes and... to get this whole Kickstarter project going. That's right. So yeah. this is the next, like, unicorn I right think there. so. Yeah. I mean, are we, yeah, we're, we're, are we still talking Kickstarter? Or are we at, like, Series B now, right? Series like, B. We're, yeah, yeah okay, this is Series yeah. B now. We forget that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so c- check out the uh, podcast notes for more pictures and the code examples and stuff like that. Definitely. Um, so time for the hard hitting questions. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite bagel? Oh man, my this favorite is actually bagel. the most popular question from our Slack channel. I, I, yeah, I, you know when I first saw that question, I thought was well, it's got to be the everything bagel. But you know what? I, I noticed that. I, I kind of agree with Zap's comment here. I blueberry is really good. Blueberry and cream cheese, a very simple bagel. It's I mean, you can't can't really beat that. Yeah, I like it. I I actually tend to like the I do a plain bagel and toast it, <sighs> yeah, and then yeah. just peanut butter on it. Oh, that's the, all right. <laughs> See, I can that's be the killer convinced. right there. I, yeah, yeah, I, I can have my mind changed on this. Yeah, yeah, it sounds awesome. The problem with that, it's like eight hundred calories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's not an everyday kind of bagel experience. No, no. <laughs> no. Okay, so on topic. Yeah. Future of IoT. Oh, this is great. I, I love this question because, as as you know, I'm a I'm a listener of the podcast, and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm about to say, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. y'all did you did the the awesome crossover episode with the embedded FM folks recently. Mm-hmm. I think the comment, uh, I think it was you, yeah, that you'd made the comment on IoT in general, right? Like that IoT is kind of bullshit, right? And I I totally agree because I think in many ways that where we have been in the last several years is, you know, we we started, it started to get, it become cheap to put Wi Fi radios in embedded systems. Mm -hmm. And so we put Wi Fi radios in everything. Everything. And then everybody put everything on the internet. It was one of those, like, just because we could, we didn't stop to think about whether or not we should, should. kind of moments. Yep. Yeah. 
And that's been many of the early years of the IoT. And you have everybody talking about building connected coffee pots and connected refrigerators and you name it, right? I mean, there are full episodes of Silicon Valley that are dedicated to, to lampooning this idea. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we are finally getting to that point where the future of IoT is more about people solving real problems mm -hmm. than just putting things online because they can't, because it's cheap to put a Wi-Fi chip in those devices. And I think we, we are at that point now where most of what... There, there are always going to be weird examples of people doing things. I mean, I, I, I sort of liken this to the early days of the internet when we all tried to get... You know, businesses got online because they felt they had to be. But mm -hmm. if you went to Pizza Hut, or I think they called it Pizza Net in the early days, if you went to Pizza Hut's website in the early days of the internet, there there wasn't anything useful on there. You couldn't order a pizza online. Yeah, the commerce didn't happen online in the early '90s. But everybody felt like they had to be there, and I think that's where we are now. I can get something online, so sure, let's let's just put it online. But I think the future of IoT is going to be driven by by people and by businesses that think about leveraging that connectivity in ways that make sense that actually not having that connectivity is important whether it is because you need to do some sort of processing I mean I think machine learning kind of goes hand in hand with IOT in a lot of areas because you your embedded system can't do that level of processing and you need that intelligence somewhere else yeah like um, vi uh, like uh, image processing image stuff processing. like that absolutely yeah. yeah I mean the OpenMV project is actually one of my favorites the, the guys mm -hmm. that are doing the OpenMV cam now they're at a point now with those new with the ARM Cortex M7 chips where they can actually put like TensorFlow like on on, on, <laughs> on chip, the devices yeah. which is kind of ridiculous but even still like, there is a class of of problems where you need that level of compute power to help process information and then help you make a decision and and I think that's useful. I think that is really where the future of IoT is, is that we move past sort of this Internet of Shit era, everybody's favorite Twitter account, yeah. and into this, this era where we are actually getting more sensible problems being solved. Yep. Yeah. Like our IoT breathalyzer. Like our IoT breathalyzer. This is important. Yeah, yeah. very important. Lots of practical applications. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think I, I, I would definitely agree with you. It's mm. going to be... Um, it's it's you know your refrigerator doesn't need to be absolutely IOT'd. absolutely um, yeah but having devices like thermostats stuff like that that is more data driven yeah or like when you get home or yeah or not even just it learning but like oh you pulled up in the driveway turn on your air conditioner a absolutely yeah is stuff like that is a lot more useful for the normal person absolutely yeah. yeah and i think not only that but the future of iot also i think we're going to move past this era where every single connected device is connected to the open internet i mean the thing that is if you look at the realm of home automation which i think is an area where many of us dabble in just because it's something we're all used to it is it's crazy to think that most of these sort of smart devices in our houses are all connected to the internet and mm -hmm. don't know anything about each other. Yeah. And I, I've had this conversation, I, as I explain this to my to my parents or relatives that come and visit, you do the fun trick where you're like, hey Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree. We did this over, over <laughs> Christmas last year. I was showing my dad this. I'm like, hey Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree. And it's just a little Wemo plug that's plugged yeah. into the back of the tree. And he's like, that's amazing. And then I stopped and said, do you realize that in order for that all to take place, that this Amazon Echo device goes to the open internet it has a voice translation service that or speech to text service that figures out what I want to do, figures out my intent, and then it goes and calls Wemo's service, and then Wemo reaches back down into my house. Like there is no like across the, the room. The, the best the best thing about that is the intent. It's yeah. like it, it's, instead of like turning on your Christmas tree, it starts thermal nuclear war. Right, right, <laughs> right exactly. But I mean, that's the world that that's we're in. That's what it is. is. Like, yeah, yeah. These things yeah. that seem like oh, it's simple. I'm just talking to devices across the room. It's not. No. But I think that's where we need to get in the future is that devices. Can more intelligently communicate with one another. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's one of those. If you if every single light switch in your house, it, it's like everything that has electricity in your house had to talk back to the internet. Right. Think about how like you need multiple just modems. Absolutely. Yeah. And routers Absolutely. to handle all those connections. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But that's where we are today. Hopefully not in the future. Yeah. And why in the future will we not be? Because I think that I think that providers are getting smarter about we're getting back to the peer to peer world mm -hmm. 
which I love uh, because I think we are fundamentally what we're in today in a world in an era of cloud computing. As great as it is, we are the world is a very client server distributed world, right? Every mm -hmm. IoT device that's connected via Wi-Fi module is a client server computing device. And I think to have devices talking to each other, we need to get back to that place where we can live in a peer-to-peer -peer world. Um, I think mesh networking is a big part of that. Now, I am Particle has an opinion about that, obviously, but there are a lot of semiconductor manufacturers that are are moving into this space, and the inspiration for many of these came from uh, from Thread and the fo and the stuff that the Nest folks have been doing. Because when Nest implemented their uh, their smoke detectors. The idea then was you had you would have a series of smoke detectors in your house, and they weren't they didn't all necessarily need to be connected to the open internet. They needed to speak to one another, mm -hmm. primarily because when one smoke detector goes off in one room, you want to signal all, all of, of them, them in the yeah. entire house. And so they created sort of a protocol for that communication thread that then they publish as Open Thread, and there's a working group for that. I, I, uh, I, I can I can just imagine like the smoke detector that's in your computer room above your modem. <laughs> So your modem catches on fire and sets uh, off that one smoke detector, right. and it can't talk to the other ones because they're all because over Wi-Fi. Because the cloud other Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> that is the beginning of an episode of Silicon Valley. That's yeah. absolutely got to be yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, that was to, to try to solve that problem practically. And, and uh, so Particle and, and others as well, but Particle believes really strongly that that is sort of the next era of allowing devices to communicate together is that you can start doing low-power personal wireless networking and get into this place where instead of having a, a series of single devices that were all talking on the internet, you could create intelligent networks and self-healing networks that can have a gateway that's connected mm -hmm. to the internet, but that the rest of your devices are, are local connected. They're connected to other devices and they can function as repeaters or endpoints and read from sensors and control actuators but that the entire network itself had one destination to the internet instead of every single one of them speaking speak to the open internet. So what um, frequency do these you know local area wireless networks run on? So a lot of these now I'll speak specifically about about particle mesh okay. uh, which we can share some info about that we announced these in February our, our sort of third generation of hardware and it's shipping uh, in September, so we're still taking pre-orders for those right now. And there's three different devices. Uh, there's the Argon, which is the Wi-Fi device, the Boron, the cellular. And then the third, the, what I think is the, the one I'm most excited about, the Xenon. And the Xenon is sort of the mesh-only device. That's sort of your local network powerhouse. And all three of these will have a, uh, a the Nordic NRF52840 okay. uh, SOC on them, which is, which is really cool. It actually implements... 802.15.4 okay. uh, for local communication. They will all use uh, about, about 2.4 gigahertz okay. for for communication. Uh, and then the and actually the Argon. What's really cool is the Argon is actually also going to have an ESP32 coprocessor for Wi-Fi. Interesting on there as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the point is, in all three of those devices, is your your Argons and your Borons, your Wi-Fi and cellular devices will function as your, as gateway devices. As gateway, yeah. They can also be endpoints and repeaters, but they are your connection to the open internet. Mm -hmm. And then the Xenons become become a device that can serve a couple of different roles. One is they can be connected to your, your ethanol sensors and your light stacks mm -hmm. and, and, and read sensors and control actuators and whatnot, but then they can also pass messages to the gateways. And if you have a an endpoint that's too far from the gateway to reach it, so the the practical limit will be about twenty to thirty meters, so about okay. 100 hundred ish feet, yep. that they can find another xenon, another mesh endpoint to function as a repeater, so to pass the message on down the line. And if they're and if one of these xenons goes offline for some reason, they can find a different path to the network. Mm -hmm. So you can create some res redundancy and resiliency in the network that way, as well. Cool. Yeah. And then, um, so, what about Bluetooth 5? So, these devices actually are, they are implementing Bluetooth 5. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, that's so the, what's, the... So, what's the difference between 4 and 5, then? <sighs> the blue, the difference between 4 and 5. You threw me a curveball. It's not, it's not just a number difference. To. No, it's not It's not just a number difference. I mean, I think that the, the big this is thing, not me quizzing you, because I no, have no I, idea. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Because <laughs> I know the big thing when they went to 4 was it was lower energy... 
stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the big difference between Bluetooth 4 and 5, at least as far as I understand it, is that it is still low energy, which mm-hmm. is great, um, but it is designed to enable that sort of low power mesh networking. Okay. So it implements the 802.15.4. Bluetooth 5, at least in the Nordic semiconductor chips that we're using, implements 802.15.4. Okay. So that's what allows, it allows those devices to very quickly and with small messages do heartbeat checks with one another to determine if messages get sent or or whether they get dropped, what have you. Because a lot of the software around this and what we're building right now is designed around setting up those networks. So if you, mm-hmm. you onboard a gateway, your next step is, okay, now I have a series of endpoints or repeaters that I have to set up. What's the process for doing that? Letting the gateway know I'm a new Xenon, I'm mm-hmm. here, here's where I am located, and then here's another one, and then you start sending messages between them. So Bluetooth, the BLE5, Bluetooth 5 allows us to both quickly onboard those devices, but also allow um, mobile onboarding as gotcha. well. So what we did earlier of using soft AP to get the devices mm-hmm. online with the Photon, with these devices, you'll actually be able to use Bluetooth to onboard. The okay, so you can just use your, your phone or, or and, computer yeah, directly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so you were talking about um, cell, a cellular connection, mm-hmm. and that's on the Boron? Yeah, on the new devices, that's on the Boron. And is that, is that going to be 4G or LTE? So it is. It is LTE Cat M1. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. actually going to be mostly future-proof yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's the big thing when you look at um, these maker devices that are from um, you can buy online and stuff. A lot of them are two G, yeah, and then yeah. very rare, rarely you can get three G ones. Right. And so it's like, well, if you get a two G one, this is what I was going through when I was designing a. So in the process of designing a, um, a kind of like a computer for my Jeep, and I want to have connectivity, and I'm like, nice. okay, cellular connectivity is pretty good. And it's not that very expensive to do, but mm-hmm. if I went with most of these modules, you're getting 2G, and who knows when that will be phased out. Right. AT&T is kind of hanging on to it, but right. they're probably going to get rid of it eventually. Absolutely. And so I've been looking for a 4G module, and yeah. And, and you have, so with the Boron, with our current generation of devices, the, the uh, Electron, mm-hmm. so we have 2G, 3G, and also LTE support coming next month in those. But for the Boron, sort of, yeah, I mean, the preferred approach is LTE CADM1, although we do have 2G, 3G versions of the Boron, mm-hmm. if you have an existing setup that relies on that as well. But I think for everybody moving forward, LTE, LTE is kind yeah. of the word recommending. I guess we'll just go on to the next question then. Okay. Is uh, why, you, you mentioned the ESP32, that's yeah. on a coprocessor on the Boron. On the Boron. Um, on the Argon. Argon, yeah. okay. Yeah, on, on the, the Wi-Fi device, yeah. Okay. yeah. So why would, so let's, let's just back it up to just pure Wi-Fi devices, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. is why would someone use a uh, particle, like, like the photon that we have here, Absolutely. over an ESP32? An ESP32, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Because um, yeah. they both do... Let's just forget about the fact that... Let's actually compare it to the, was the ESP82. 8266. Yeah, because they're yeah. both the Wi-Fi devices, and Absolutely. they both have pins and... A- absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of reasons, and, and I, I've gotten this question a lot. Uh, it's something that I know a lot of people ask themselves. Um, and I think probably the, the biggest thing is if you're looking for something beyond just the hardware itself. Mm-hmm. Because Particle is not just those mo- is not just those Wi-Fi devices. Yeah. It is also sort of the tools and services and the ability to do over-the-air updates and the ability to do communication between devices via, via publish and subscribe and managing devices through the console. And I think if you're... If you're in a place where your need is to quickly get information from device sensors online or to expose functions for devices to the cloud and then to build apps that control those, whether Mm -hmm. it's a mobile app or a web app, and then also to manage your devices via the console, I think that is where... You know, particle is about building something beyond just the hardware itself, and I think I think that's that's one of the big differences. That's the big yeah. uh, benefit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Uh, but even still, like I, I mean, honestly, like as a you know, personally, I use I use ESP thirty two devices as well. I think they're absolutely it's it's a fantastic ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Espressif has done some really awesome stuff, and I think that there are definitely cases where you could use either or both in projects where you may want to use both for sure. So cool. yeah. So Brandon, where can people find out more about you? So I am on uh, I'm on Twitter as Brandon Satram. 
Um, you can also find me on um, on uh, Facebook at uh, facebook.com. If you haven't slash, deleted it yet. If I, I have not deleted yeah. it <laughs> The only reason I still have a Facebook account is so that my, when my wife posts pictures of our kids, I get tagged and uh, I can see photos yeah, that I yeah. wasn't yeah. present for. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I have my Twitter account auto published to um facebook to facebook and yeah. that's so so that my parents know i'm still alive oh there you go <laughs> that's a good idea I should probably do that too because yeah, yeah i'm much more much more active on twitter uh i am also um I, I i do as i'm doing more and more stuff with particle i do post a lot of the detailed stuff that i do on uh, on hackster okay uh, so hackster.io uh if you search for brandon satram you can find me i did some stuff with uh i actually created a uh, a particle Alexa skill, so you can actually talk through your echoes to your online devices and things like that. Uh, so that's one. I do some stuff on the on the particle blog, particle dot or blog particle uh, I have a medium uh, blog as well, which we should link because it's a sort of random integer at the end of my username. Uh, and then for Carrot Pants, uh, Carrot Pants Studios, that's actually CarrotPantsStudios.com, which is where we do all of the, the children's publishing stuff. And if you're interested, we are launching the next Kickstarter campaign next month, so check out that site. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely you know, um, tweet that and cool. talk about that when it comes out. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, so you want to sign us out, Brandon? Yes, definitely. Or is, do you have anything else to add? No, this has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun, so I appreciate it. That was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Brandon Satram. And I was your host, Parker Doan. See you next time, guys. Awesome. No, we record every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or IoT topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss or have another question for Brandon, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. Brandon's also in that as well, so you can give him all your questions for Particle. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest MEP episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us. And if you stuck around to the end of this podcast, Particle is giving MacFab Engineering Podcast listeners a discount. Use the URL store.particle.io slash discount slash macrofabfam to get 15% off anything in the particle store also use the code particle fam shipping to get free shipping and use particle fam starter to get a free starter kit when you order mesh particle boards you can also get those discount codes in the podcast notes below